0: I have a little test for you. You don't have to write it down or lift your hand to give an answer. Just answer it in your mind. I'd like for you to answer question number one. Can you name the book, chapter, and verses that I spoke on last Sunday night? Question number two. Can you, in one sentence, kind of halfway describe what I talked about last Sunday night? I have a bonus question. Can you do all those for this morning's sermon? I mean, the problem is that we have a 45 minute message, or 35 minute message, and we have a 68, 168 hour intermission between one message and the next. So I'm gonna tell you what I preached on last Sunday night. First Corinthians chapter 10, Verses 1 through 11 was the text. And what I talked about in a thumbnail sketch was this, that high privilege does not necessarily guarantee successful life, successful living. That just because a person has been greatly blessed of God, has great privilege, Privileges from God, like most of us are, blessed of God, does not necessarily mean that that person, strangely and ironically as it may sound, those people not, do not necessarily serve God or walk with God or, or enjoy the, the, the ultimate fruit what, that, that he calls the crowns of righteousness. As a matter of fact, familiarity often breeds contempt, like a takeoff on the song, you know, I've grown accustomed to your grace, to the point that we we get used to God's blessing, to the point that we expect His blessing and even demand it. I heard a teacher in a Bible college tell that, that he, he, he came in on the first day and he said, now we're going to have three exams. The first exam is going to come at the last, the last week of October. The second exam is going to come the last week in November. And the third exam is going to come the second week of December. Or, or papers, I believe it was. Papers do. That's what it was. Let me get this straight. So he said he had 250 people in his class. And so the last week in October came time for the paper. First paper due. Fifty of them said, "Oh, teacher, professor, we um, we had so many things to do. It's homecoming, and when we didn't, would you give us uh, a, a, another week?" And he said, "Okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an extra week, and and and, it, but it's the next time it's an F if you don't have it. Fifty of them." The last week in November, second paper was due. A hundred of them said, Oh, professor, we had so many other papers due, so many other classes. It's been Thanksgiving week, and we just have been so busy. Would you give us another week? He said, so I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an extra week, but the next time, it's an F. So that in the second week in December, third paper was due. 150 of them said, oh, teacher, this is final week and we just didn't get around to getting our paper. And he said, okay, uh, McGregor, do you have your paper? He said, no, sir. He said, F. Johnson, do you have your paper? He said, no, sir. He said, F. He started writing it in the, in the grade book. And he said, all 150 of them stood up and you know what they said? Guess what they said? That isn't What? Fair. And he said, okay, it's justice you want. He said, okay, it's justice you'll get. Johnson, you didn't have your paper no, the end of November, did you? No, sir, F for November. You want justice, you'll get justice. Okay, he said, you deserve it back then. Going to get an F then too. And, and the point he was making is this, that, that God has been so good to us so gracious to us and has extended His love toward us and grace toward us. What what do we do? We we presume upon that grace. We even expect that grace and demand it. And when it doesn't come, we cry, oh God, you're just not fair. Why did you do this to me? You know. Just because we are blessed of God doesn't mean that we're going to have a successful life doesn't mean we're going to serve God. As a matter of fact, God's gracious activity in our life year after year after year most many times causes contemptment causes us to be contempt toward God to, to 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 expect his grace even to demand it. Familiarity breeds contempt. Now He comes in this chapter to nail that home, or in this passage, to to expound on that that we looked at last week. And he speaks and and you know, last week I left off with verses 12 and 13, so I want to get to that next time, and now's the next time. And he speaks to a small group of people in verse 12 and verse 13, and then he speaks to the rest of us in verse 14. Now. to, To one group which are proud and pompous in verse 12, he said, take heed lest you fall. Now here were these proud and pompous people in Corinth who said, I can take anything that's thrown at me. I'm, I'm big enough to handle anything that comes my way. I'm big enough to take on Satan and everything Satan throws at me. And, and Paul said, you would better take a long look at yourself because you are a candidate for a real fall. Every time I read this, I think of Simon Peter beating his chest there in the upper room saying, Everybody can deny you, Lord, but not me. I'm not going to deny you. Take heed lest you fall. You are no match for Satan. To the other group in verse verse 13, that group are those who who feel like they always fail the Lord. Does that sound like anybody you know? I mean, I'm always coming to the Lord and asking His forgiveness. I'm always making promises to God I never keep. I'm always failing God. Does that sound like you? To to that group of people who feel like that they're always failing God, they're constantly overwhelmed, he says in verse 13, read it with me, no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. Now, if misery loves company, you ought to be real happy right there. I mean, what he's saying is this. You've never had any kind of temptation that's overtaken you that somebody else hasn't had the same problem. I mean, we're all in the same boat. You're not, this is, you're not unusual. You're not, you're not unique. What has happened to you has happened to, every, to, to some other person. You're not, it's not uncommon. Then he says... And God is faithful. He's not going to leave you in the lurch. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way, underlined, it's not a way, it's the way of escape, also that you may be able to bear it. There are two words you need to underline there, the word the and the word also. Now what he's saying is this. It's not a way of escape, it's the way that fits your need. Now every temptation that you encounter, every temptation, even though it is common to somebody else, it's your unique problem and and God is going to provide the way of escape for you. And the second thing it indicates by the word also is that God allows the temptation and he, 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 He permits the temptation and He provides the escape route. Now you say, well, what about James 1 where it says God cannot tempt any man? In James 1, he's talking about an enticement to evil and God cannot entice someone to evil, but he can bring about certain situations in your life that will test you to try and prove your strength and everything that happens to you comes from through the benevolent hand of God, and He's going to arrange things in your life and mind that's going to test our strength and test our character and test the quality of our metal. And, but He's at the same time, he's made both, he, made both the, he made both the temptation and He made us, and He knows the powers that we have, and He's going to provide the way of escape. That's the promise from God so that nothing's going to ever have to overwhelm you. God will provide the way of escape. Now, he comes to address the rest of us. Now, now if you're not in the group that's proud and pompous who say, "Man, nobody can Satan can ever throw me." Or if you're one of those group if you're if you're in that group that uh Maybe you're that group that says, oh, I'm always failing the Lord. Well, the rest of us I'm going to talk to in the balance of this message, they're the ones of us, they're the folks of us who delight who delight in living on the fringes of fellowship. Now, this is what I'm talking about. The, 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 the vast majority of the Christian community is made up of folks who, ju- who have just about enough Christianity to make them good and miserable. I mean, we go to church and, 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 you know, once, twice a month, you know, and we read our Sunday school lesson occasionally, maybe on the, on the way to church. But, but let's face it. There is a striking absence in the fellowship of m- most modern churches there is a striking absence of any kind of radical Christianity that in the remotest way resembles New Testament Christianity. Most of us live on the, on the fringes, on the, on the, in the shallow waters of nominality, indifference, complacency, and, and, and most of us just kind of muddle around on the fringes of fellowship. We, we're really not that committed to Christ? Well, let's be honest with ourselves. Now, to those people, he says, verse 14, look at that. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, idolatry here is the one thing that pulls you away from God. Idolatry is the one thing that pulls you away from God. Now, the area of our idolatry is unique. For some of you, it might be a relationship you're maintaining. For others of you, it might be a way you handle your business. For others of you, it might be what you watch, what you think, what you see. But our areas of idolatry are all unique, and what he's saying is, Those things that pull you away from a total commitment to God, pull you away from God, you flee from, flee from those things. If you want victory in your Christian life, then you need to flee from that thing that takes the place of Christ and dethrones Him in your life. Now, we all know what those are. No preacher preacher has to list them immediately, immediately those things come to mind. I know what's in my life that has dethroned Christ. I know what is in my life that keeps me from a deep commitment to Him and a walk with God. I know those things that dethrone Him and pull me away from God. He says flee from that. Now he gives three reasons why. Now you want to you get with me here because it is not possible to understand this through osmosis. Put put a little think into this. Beginning at verse 16. Th- these are the three reasons. Put out number one. First reason. Such association leads to personal participation. Such association leads to personal participation. And he uses two illustrations. And with and if you don't understand this, you miss this whole point. Look at verse 16. Now he's illustrating how that association leads to participation. Is not the cup of blessing which he blesses a sharing in the blood of Christ? Now he's talking about you know, partaking of the Lord's Supper. Now, now watch this. He's saying, is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread... Turn this thing off. And let me talk through here. Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Now now, now let me pause there to nail down this illustration. He's saying, now when you come to the Lord's Supper and you partake of a portion of the Lord's Supper, you're sharing in this, in this experience with the Lord. And there is this course in the Lord's Supper, this unseen presence of God. How many of you can, can testify to the fact that there is something dynamic that happens when you come and, and, and take the Lord's Supper. You just feel close to God there and He just kind of moves in and there is a, there is a dynamic there that is not present other places and other times. You you're, you're just seem to be sharing there in the presence of the Lord with Him. He uses a second illustration that of sac- the sacrifices that the nation of Israel made. What do I mean then? Verse 18, look at the nation Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices, share us in the altar? And he uses the word share us three times because he wants us to see that when you associate with certain things, you share in those same things. Now, I need to go back and pick up the whole context Because we started out in chapter 8, and he's talking about this meat offered to idols. And there was this conflict within the church. Is it, if I eat this meat that's offered to idols, by association with that, will I sin against God? And that was the great controversy that was just splitting the church at Corinth. Now, Paul personally did not feel that that to eat meat that had been offered to idols and was on sale at the bazaars, you know, at cut rate prices, he didn't find any problem with that. But he's showing us something new tonight. He's saying, first, that if you associate with these things that have an appearance of evil with them and about them, Then you partake, you begin to partake in that evil. That leads us to the second reason, verse 19 and 20. Write this down. Such participation leads to diabolical involvement. Watch. Such participation leads to diabolical involvement. Verse 19 and 20. What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything... Or that an idol is anything? Well, you said there's nothing to an idol. But look at verse 20. No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. Now let me pause to say something here. And I want it to be c- completely clear. I believe in the reality of a personal Satan and a world of demons. Now I don't believe that Satan is omnipresent nor is he omniscient. But I believe that he has demons that assist him, I believe that you and I are in a battle with an unseen evil world that's not flesh and blood, a world of the demonic. Now, you don't hear that much about that. But why not? When we were engaged in the Vietnam conflict... Every time you picked up the newspaper, that's all you read about. You read about the war that was going on there, that struggle that was going on there. Listen, folks, we are in a war, and we might as well admit it. We are in a conflict. We wrestle, said Paul, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. I'm, I believe with all my heart have absolutely convinced that Satan has demons assigned to your block where you live. They know what you're doing. I believe that that he has demons assigned to your children to their school to this church and I believe that his purpose in life is to destroy the witness of Christian people And to keep unsaved people from fellowshipping and trusting Jesus Christ. And Paul said, behind this altar, behind this idol, are demons, a force of the unseen, a power that's behind there. And if you associate with these idols that pull you away from God, you become a sharer in the demonic world. And I don't want you to be a part of that, he said. Does that scare you? It does me. I mean this is no this is no game we're playing, folks. We this is no party we're at. We're in a life and death struggle with an unseen evil. And if you didn't meet the devil face to face this morning, just means you and, and, and him are going in the same direction. Third command, third reason. Such involvement leads to spiritual disaster look at verses 21 and 22 you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons you cannot take partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy it leads to spiritual disaster, you can't fellowship with God and fellowship with a demonic world. You are sharers with Him, or you're sharers with them. Now, let me just give you some verses of Scripture. Take a look at when you get home tonight. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse eleven, says that we, Paul says he doesn't want the devil to take advantage of us. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil, resist Satan, he'll flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, you adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now, now is that poetry or is that truth? Now, I'm going to give you three applications and then I want to say three things about the, con- about the, the point of attack. Number one, a lot of Christians, a lot of us, delight in living on the dangerous edge of carnality. A lot of us just delight in living on the dangerous edge of carnality. We wouldn't think about turning our back on God. But we just live on the edge of disaster. Just inviting and, and giving every occasion for Him to destroy us, defeat us. Do those things. Third, the most vulnerable people in this whole world to demonic attack are the people who live on the dangerous edge of carnality and profess to be Christians. They're the most vulnerable to his attack for two reasons. One is because Satan knows that if he can destroy your witness, he's won a victory in the in the world and in the church and secondly it's because you're the closest to evil to enemy territory when you live on the on the edge of carnality let's get in or get out let's get off or get on let's give up or get in that's what he's saying to that church in Corinth who was the most carnal church he was saying this folks you, you, you need to you need to go all the way or forget it the message is no different Now, what are the attacks of Satan he, he attacks in three areas and I want you to get this now I think it's important intellectually emotionally and, and volitionally now how does he, he attack us intellectually watch this by the attraction of false religions. By the attraction of false religion. I was out the other night making a visit. I went into this man's house and he had this library of all these um, philosophers and false religions. He was a very intellectual man and he boasted of his intellectual uh, uh, pursuit of the truth he called it. It, it. It's this intellectual approach to false religions and the, and, and the big thing now, you know, is this uh, the intellectual approach to religious thought. Parapsychology. ESP. Astrology. Um, the reading of the, of the palms, the, the anti-biblical phenomena, the anti-biblical philosophies. Stay away from those things. Because Satan has, in his strategy, attacks the, in, the intellectual through these thought uh, uh, games that we play. If you're one of those people that picks up the newspaper and checks your, the horoscope and see where Saturn and Jupiter are today and, and all that, stop that stuff. You know what you're doing? You're opening yourself up to his attack. Believe that. And all of this, these um, fortune tellers, don't go to one of those people because they are a bridge from the satanic, the domo- demonic world to man. Believe that, it's the truth. He attacks us emotionally. The amusement world is shot through with it. Now I don't like scary movies in the first place, but friend, um, if, if, I, if I was the bravest person in the world, watch one of those horror movies, I wouldn't watch it because I believe it's an inroad from Satan. And, and all this stuff that you can see on television, the macabre, the bizarre, the weird, it, it's an occasion for the demonic. There are other things to see. And pornography. You, you think Satan doesn't have a a downhill slide into your life when you watch that stuff on television or in movies. And behind it, believe this, it's not preacher talk, behind it is the satanic strategy to destroy your emotions and, and the will. I, I, I don't know how many times I've read where a person said, I didn't, I didn't mean to do that, I just didn't, I couldn't control myself. I, I passed by this, uh, I had this guy in my, uh, in my church, in the seminary, a, a, a young man who was studying for the ministry and he felt himself drawn down to the streets of Fort Worth that show those x rayed triple X-rated movies. He, he, he told me, he'd come into my study and we'd pray and he'd, he'd pray and get cleansing and forgiveness and he'd say, you know, said, I just can't stay away from down there. He said, I can go down the street and I just feel myself drawn to those movies. You, you think that's, what do you think that is? It, it, I think it's the magnetic power of the satanic world And if there are those kinds of things that you're kind of toying with, watching and seeing and reading, right now you better make a decision to flee from that idolatry that draws you away from God because your association leads to participation and participation leads to diabolical involvement and diabolical involvement in the concentric circle leads to spiritual disaster, spiritual disaster. And so the apostle Paul, he's getting down to, I don't know whether he knew this or not, I know the Holy Spirit did. That when he wrote this word, he was writing to Christians at Corinth, but he was speaking directly to you and me. Because this is as fresh as when it was written on the parchment. Now the question is, is there that in my life? Is there that that I'm just entertaining, just carrying on a kind of a flirtatious affair with is there that that draws me away from God look back to verse 13 he said he will provide the way of escape the answer isn't him now I, I, I want to leave you with a little bit of I don't want to preach a negative sermon I'll leave it there I want to lead you, leave you with the hope that's found in verse 22 I left out the last part of that we are not stronger than he are we? now the question is who's the he? if, if he's talking about we're not stronger than Satan the father the, the, the head of the demonic world is he saying that? or is the we referring to the Lord that we provoke to jealousy when we involve in that? Well, the answer is the same. No, we're not. Are we stronger than the the head of the demonic world? No, we're not. He's already established that in verse 12. He said, you better take heed. If you think you're a match for Him, you're not. Are we stronger than the Lord? No, we're not. But that gives us hope. It means that He is our champion. He is our champion. Now let me tell you what he did, this this Lord. He met him out on, on Satan's turf. He met him there. He met him there and mastered him there. He was God's champion. He went out in the wilderness right after his baptism and he met him in conflict there in the wilderness and he mastered him there. And there's never been a time when he encountered him, that is, our Lord encountered the devil, Satan, that he did not master him, he conquered him, he was his master, he championed. And when he rose from the grave, he came out triumphant to say to us, I am your champion. And if we just give ourselves to Him, if we just place ourselves in Him, if we just allow Him to live in us, He becomes our victor. Now, if there's anything that pulls you away from Him, you need to flee from it. And you need to flee to Him. What a word! What a hope! what a message let's pray God it's great to be able to stand in a pulpit and declare the truth that there is a demonic world that seeks to destroy us and there is a champion a victor who has already won we look to you who are stronger than we for our strength, who are greater than we for our our weakness, we look to you for our victory. And we turn, we flee from idolatry to you. God, help us to have pure hearts, pure homes, pure thoughts, Pure materials. God, help us not to allow any place, any room for Him who would devour us, destroy us, wipe out our witness, ruin this church, wreck our homes. Lord, Thank you that we can look to you for our help, because I pray in Jesus' name. Now I'd like for you to consider three kinds of invitation. The first is to receive Christ as your personal Savior. He met Him, conquered Him, rose again triumphant. I'd like for you to consider tonight personally and publicly declaring your faith in Christ. Secondly, I'd like for you to consider joining this church. Prayerfully, consider church membership here. Ask God if He wants you to. Third, I'd like for you to flee from idolatry to Him. And you may have things in your life you need to repent of right here in this place. Would you do it? David will lead us in our song. We ask you to stand and come if God leads you to do it.